every leader of a growing business has experienced a restless night. A night where a new opportunity or daunting challenge got in the way of a decent night's sleep. When I'm up at night, I think about how to maintain culture. Where the company is headed. Like, what is the business challenge, you know, three steps ahead. That keeps me up. I worry that we won't grow fast enough. Making sure that people are feeling like they belong. I had somebody resign today. I have one meeting about billing, which I am looking forward to, actually. I find it fascinating. (laughs) From WeWork and Gimlet Creative, this is Up at Night. I'm John Henry. On this show, I talk with successful leaders of mid-sized businesses about how they've grown their companies and found success. I call them up at night when they're off the clock and hear what's really been keeping them up. Today on the show, Brian Power, head of people at Nextdoor, the world's largest social network for neighborhoods. Right. How you doing, Brian? John, I'm doing great. How about you? I'm great. Nextdoor's goal is to use technology to help people connect to their local communities. Neighbors use the platform to announce things like a new litter of puppies or a block party, and they can also ask for recommendations, like for a great mechanic. Nextdoor is used in more than 250,000 neighborhoods worldwide, and they have WeWork offices in Minneapolis, Chicago, and L.A., I caught up with Brian on a Thursday evening. He was still working out of Nextdoor's HQ in San Francisco. I'm looking out at a number of engineers and data scientists who, (laughs) as the sun goes down, are still working pretty hard. There's whiteboards with lots of stuff scratched on it, numbers and, and lines of code. Brian has over 20 years of experience in HR, including eight years at Google, overseeing over 10,000 employees as chief HR officer at Yahoo, and more than quadrupling Square's employee base. He joined Nextdoor at the end of 2018, just before their current CEO, Sarah Fryer, joined. They were brought on as part of Nextdoor's new phase of growth. And what's been keeping Brian up these days is identifying and then growing strong leaders. We're at this really fascinating time where we have about 350 people now globally. I'd say more than half of them have started in the last year. And I I think the particular challenge is thinking about how do you take advantage of the skills and expertise of the new leaders Mm. while also making sure that you're, you're leaning on the history and the experience that the people who started the company had built in the first nine years of the company. Mm, Yeah. You know, it's always tough combining new ideas with existing ones, but then that combination is necessary for success, right? Absolutely. You're bringing in a lot of new people to Nextdoor. So how are you approaching diversity and inclusion? The type of people you hire into your company is what your product is going to become. And so at Nextdoor, where community is so essential to our product, this is particularly important. It's essential for us that we have perspectives from people of all walks of life, all types of backgrounds, all types of communities, because we want all neighborhoods and all communities to, to take advantage of those tools. As we scale globally, getting that representation is really, is really important to us. Mm, yeah. So let's talk about that growth a little bit. Over your career, you've been tasked with bringing talent into some of the fastest growing companies in history. What are some key lessons that you've learned about hiring leaders? 
we can try to spend too much time trying to find this perfect person who's done everything before. But taking a risk on someone may pay off in ways you don't anticipate. Well, how do you know if someone could be a good leader when they haven't done it yet? I mean, you really don't. <laughs> you know, at some point <laughs> they have to they have to take the microphone. I think you certainly see signals. You know, one of the most important aspects of being a leader is that ability to get followership, right? People want to follow this leader and they're willing to put their own careers in this person's hands. You're talking about someone who's inspiring trust and confidence in people around them. Yeah. I almost wonder, you know, you've been doing this so long, I'm sure you can spot it now. Are there any like tells that you've developed over the years? I don't know if that's a tell, but I definitely believe that leaders are made, not born. I remember early in my career at Google in the mid 2000s, like Google was famous at this time for hiring really, really strong resumes of people, the best schools, all the award winners, perfect grades, like just everything on paper was was really sterling. And I've seen the people who years later have succeeded and having succeeded. And I don't know that it was just, you know, the right companies, the right schools and everything else. What I really look for is how are people reacting to the set of circumstances that's in front of them versus where have they been? I learned this from the Kapoor Center in in Oakland, this idea of distance traveled. And it basically says, you know, you should really look at how far someone had to come versus where are they today? And everyone will say like, well, we want the people who are top of the class coming out of the top schools. And, you know, that's, of course, a, a good signal, right? It's it's not like you can just walk in the front door and, and get a degree out of there if you want to. But a lot of, if you look at the composition of that group, some of them had a lot of help getting there. You know, they had all the right internships. They had all the right programs behind them. They had the right connections. They had the right parents. And then there's some people that came all the way from, from nothing and made it there. And until you get underneath that story of what got them there, you're missing a lot of the important aspects of who it is you're trying to get to join the company. Just that nugget gets you to reframe the entire hiring process. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. So then once you hire the right people, how do you go about developing them as leaders? What happens a lot of times is you hire someone in the first six months or 12 months, they're just completely the right person. And the organization really benefits from them coming into the team But the opportunity itself or the company's pace outgrows their ability to keep up. I find that very fascinating because that's so like specific to a high growth company. That's right. So how do you approach this conversation, you know, and and how quickly do you act versus giving them the space to maybe grow into the role? You know, what's hard is that, especially in, in San Francisco, if they don't like what you're saying, they'll can probably go to another company and get another opportunity. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So right. <laughs> the the fact is that you don't have the luxury of just people staying in place as as long as you want them to. Like you you certainly try to retain and that's why I think having the the employees at your company connect to the mission is there's just no substitute for that. Right. If they really believe in the idea, they'll they'll weather whether it's a difficult conversation or a difficult period of the company, mm. that's what really gets you through. Interesting. I think what's important is in a tech company, you usually have the opportunity to to move people. And it's really important that you're thinking about that, that you're not just uh, moving people up, so to speak, or moving people in, but right. you're also moving them around. 
how do you know when to promote someone internally versus hiring someone externally? I don't know that there's a silver bullet to that question. I think the thing that you can do wrong is to only do one or the other. I was at Google right after it went public, and Google was famous in those days for they were bringing people in at levels lower than they were at other companies, and they had to prove themselves and, and get up to speed. Right. And then I've seen other companies where you know they just only hire people in from the outside. Looking back at, at Yahoo, would bring a lot of people in from the outside into these senior roles. I've found that the mix is better, right? You want a lot of people that have grown up with the company and grow into to leaders that you can really build on. But you also want to bring people in from the outside so you're making sure you're getting new ideas and new perspectives to those problems that you've all been working on for so long. At the same time that Brian's making sure the right leaders are in the right places, he also needs to keep an eye on how folks at the company are feeling. And with the intense, sometimes competing pressures of rapid growth, this can be hard. You want maximum productivity as, as head of people, I imagine. But talk to me about burnout. When and, and how does it happen? It's changed really quickly, you know, just even in the course of my career on how on call everyone who works at a tech company is expected to be. Hmm. You know, even just since smartphones just shifted this idea of going to work and going home. Right. And so there's this relentlessness not just with your job, but with these interruptions and, and disruptions and notifications to always be thinking about stuff totally. that I just don't know that humans have evolved to be able to deal with. And that's where a lot of that burnout comes from. Do you feel like you've gotten this wrong at some point in your career? I think I suffered from what a lot of people do, which I thought I was the only one that was really stressed out about it. <laughs> and at some point I realized everyone's dealing with this relentlessness of information, this pressure to succeed. So how do you, how do you deal with that in the workplace? You know, I think a lot about recovery. You've got to find ways to separate from work as much as possible. People really need to know what's important to them. And I think that if the company knows, their manager knows, what is that aspect of your day or every week that's really important to you? And to protect that, that will go a long way to prevent people from thinking that work's just taking over everything. Taking time to connect and recover. This isn't just something that happens off the clock. It's part of a weekly company ritual. You know, I've worked for other tech companies where there's just so much abundance. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever you want. Right. And so at Nextdoor, we don't have that same offering. But one thing we do do here in San Francisco is we have lunch every Wednesday. And so it's just one day a week. But what I've noticed that's different from the other companies I've worked at is this Wednesday lunch is really a community event. It's loud and there's laughter and it doesn't feel like, like a work meeting. And what's been great to see is that in some of the other offices in Australia or in Amsterdam, they've made this tradition of like, okay, during the week on Wednesday, we're going to shut down and get lunch together. Wednesday lunch. <laughs> Wednesday lunch. <laughs> so changing gears a little bit, um, if you had to take a look at your calendar for tomorrow, what do you have going on? It's Thursday night and late every Friday morning, we do our company all hands. And it's a global live cast and I'm the host. 
I've kind of got that night before the event <laughs> cycle of thoughts on how is this thing going to go. Is, is this a weekly source of uh, anxiety for you then? Definitely. I get anxious just speaking in front of people, big crowds. I also just want to really make it worthwhile. You know, it's a big meeting, right? It's the whole company. Right. But for right now, I think we're, we're in pretty good shape. Mm. Can you share a personal tip for easing a restless night? I would say if you're lying awake for more than 30 minutes, get up, go pour yourself a glass of hot tea or a glass of water, and then go back to bed. And I learned that for many years of just lying there trying to fall asleep instead. <laughs> I, can, uh, I can relate. That's good advice. Um, so what are you going to do right now? I'm going to go wrap a few things up. You know, I'll probably be out of the building in 20 or 30 minutes. And then I'm going to begin the long journey across the Bay Bridge back to Oakland, California. And, you know, see what I'm going to make for dinner. Brian, it's been great. Uh, try and get some rest and good luck on your meeting tomorrow. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks, and, John. Um, Absolutely. Have a great night. That was Brian Power, head of people at Nextdoor. I love Brian's tips for building strong leaders in a fast-growing company, or really any company. Noticing who employees naturally trust and want to get behind, and making sure to have a good balance of internal and external hires. And this idea of distance traveled, that how far a person has come can tell you more about them than their resume, that is such a powerful way to evaluate a potential leader. It's definitely something that I'll be thinking about for a while. This is the last episode of season one of Up At Night, brought to you by WeWork and Gimlet Creative. We've had a blast diving into the personal journeys and late night learnings of some incredible leaders over the course of this show, and we've loved having you along for the ride. If you're a WeWork member and have a nagging challenge or opportunity keeping you awake at night, maybe you'd like to share with us on season two. You can register your interest at we.co slash up. That's we.co slash letter U, letter P. And there you'll also find our blog with more advice for growing your business. Check out the whole season of Up At Night on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Up At Night is produced by Emily Shaw and Carrie Ann Thomas. Executive produced by Nicole Wong. Our editor is Sarah Geis. Mixed and scored by Molly Bolton. Zach Schmidt is our technical director. Our theme is by Marcus Thorne Bagala. Additional music from Marmoset and Billy Libby. Fact-checking by Soraya Shockley. I'm John Henry. Thanks for staying up late with us. <laughs>